Welcome to the Wheel of Sport, home of the greatest sports stories ever told. My name is Ian McNally and with me is Matt Lavery. Matt Lavery, how's it going, Ian? Yes, oh. yeah, very well, Matt. Uh, we'll get that wheel spinning. I'll kick it off. We're all over the place, Matt. We're on uh, Apple iTunes. Apple iTunes, does everyone call it that yeah, anymore? That's what iTunes we call is it. enough, isn't it? That's like saying www. <laughs> the internet, yeah. Alphabet Google. Spotify. <laughs> pocket casts all the rest make sure you leave a review wherever you get your podcasts do that now before the episode and uh the topic for this episode is head to head would you like to take this one head to head matt i think i have a perfect story for head to head i'm sure you do um look this starts with a fairly uh big head a in the nicest sense not an overconfident head but a physically a big head. This is the story of John Toshak and Kevin Keegan. Now, some people might recognise those names, and those names are from a an amazing mid-1970s Liverpool football club, the soccer team in, in northwest of England. And these two stars of that team struck a very, very fine partnership. Were they, bo- they were both forwards, were they? Is that right? Yeah, they're both centre-forwards, um, but both very different. We've got Toshak, who is six foot one, a tower of a man. He's the man with the big head. Yeah, he's got, a, he's got huge neck, neck muscles to hold his head like, the, like it's on a plinth. <laughs> it's, it's, but he's a tower of a man, but he's extraordinarily mobile, very intelligent. He's very tactically adept, but also technically gifted. He can take the ball to his feet. He can turn defenders. He can dribble. He can pass. He can he can do lots of things. <laughs> he, he can make really good tea that isn't too milky. He can do so much, Matt. But what he's known for is using his head. Big head. Because his big head. Because six foot one... I, I, I think we probably both know quite a few people who are over six foot one. Myself included, Ian. Yeah, but I've got a feeling that in 1970s England, northern England, six foot one was massive. It was like way bigger. Would you say that was true? Yeah, it's it's weird, isn't it? It's, uh, yeah, six, six, six foot one, six foot two is not even a thing anymore. But I think to our parents' generation, it, it was. <laughs> Yeah, because people, I remember my parents saying, oh, he's six foot, like he should have a medal, mm. you know, for being that tall. And so he becomes known probably a bit unfairly as well because he is so technically gifted and he's great with his feet and he's a great striker of the ball. But what he does with his head is his awareness and his movement is exceptional. So he's able to draw defenders in or Uh, come a bit closer to the halfway line but he's knocking the ball wide he's knocking the ball deftly to another player who can easily strike the ball he does so much of that work flicking it on or being able to hold it up as well and fits into Liverpool's style really well when he signs for them for a record in 1970 from Cardiff City 110,000 pounds Matt 
I mean, back in the, yeah, as you say, world world record there or just national record would have been world record. I that think. was it was certainly a record for Liverpool. I'm not sure whether that was a national record right, okay. uh, for the signing on fee, but um, certainly it broke the record at Liverpool. And to put that into context, Matt, Liverpool signed Kevin Keegan in the following year, about six months later, and they signed Keegan from Scunthorpe United for thirty three thousand pounds. Which is a snip. Well, I mean, it's still a lot of money. It's still. I mean, you hear about the hundred, hundreds of millions that get thrown around these days, but you know, it's it's still a. You've got to work a, a normal job for quite a while to to have thirty five thousand pounds. Yeah, well, thirty three thousand pounds isn't the average wage in the UK now. There you are, over a year's work. Yeah. So. Um, Yes, Keegan had come up through the ranks in Scunthorpe. He played for them for four years uh, and got a really good reputation. But what Keegan was known for was the opposite of Toshak. He was smaller. He's about five foot seven. He was very, very quick. He was very skillful, great with his feet, very direct and attacking. And he was the perfect foil, really, for Toshak's gameplay and might and also fit in as well with that Liverpool system of getting the ball out wide to very quick wingers or fullbacks and being able to pick up the scraps from Toshak. So a really fascinating duo here. And they hit it off from day one. In training, they just seem to have something you know when it just like dovetails just perfectly and it's inexplicable. Natural chemistry. Yeah, just like this date, you know, like a first date and it's just you're half an hour in and you're just like, how have we never met before? <laughs> you know, why is this going? It's almost worrying how well it's going because you're thinking if I don't hold a bit back here, we're going to end up in trouble. No. <laughs> I'm going to screw this up. And I think it helps as well, you know, the both working class lads. Uh, Toshak is from uh, Cardiff in Wales and Keegan is from the northeast in Armthorpe in the northeast of England. You know, they're both fairly uh, down to earth, earth lads who, you know, just want to play great football. And they, they're in the hands of a father figure in Bill Shankly, who really takes them both under his wing and is ready to give them every opportunity to flourish. So when when uh, when these lads, when Toshak and Keegan have signed for Shankly, it's Liverpool. Liverpool in a position of, of strength. I mean, how, how strong is this team at that time? Interestingly, Shankly hadn't won anything with Liverpool since 1966. So when Toshak signed in 1970, it wasn't until 1972-73 season that they won the championship again, the league championship. Okay, so they're a strong side, but they're not they're not champions like like they are today. Yeah, they'd lost a few title races, you know, very close close to the wire. Yeah, and obviously they had a very good team, but with this partnership, they did go on to win that league championship in 1972-73 season, 75-76 season, 76-77 season. Uh, they won the FA Cup in 74. They won the UEFA Cup twice, 73 and 76, and the European Super Cup in 1977. So it really works well then. So this first date really sort of <laughs> kicks into a, a pretty successful marriage then. 
Yeah, and Keegan, uh, he won. He he won all of that and won uh, the Football Writers Award uh, in 1976. Um, Keegan actually went on to score 100 goals for Liverpool, and Toshak scored 96. And Toshak had a few troubles with injury and didn't play as many games as Keegan did, but his goals were significant. And when he was on the field, it was really difficult for the opposition to defend. Who do you defend against? Because Toshak at six foot one, a tower in the air, he had this ability to leap and hang in the air. Mm. Very difficult to defend against. He was very strong and intelligent. And Keegan just knew sort of instinctively where he should be, where Toshak was going to knock the ball onto. And he was so quick, Keegan, that it was almost impossible to defend against when they were on song. So where's the head-to-head? It sounds, it sounds, this doesn't sound like a, a rivalry. This is where it gets very interesting because Toshak and Keegan are hitting off so well. They're even featured in a, in a magazine. I think it was Goal or Shoot magazine where they're photographed dressed up in cosplay in a, as Batman and Robin. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> Who was Batman? So, well, Keegan was known as Mighty Mouse, so he fitted perfectly into the Robin right. suit and Toshak, the towering man, Batman. Um, it was it was quite cringeworthy, this. It's a lot of fun, though. I like it. It is. It, it is good fun. And um, it's interesting as well, like, to, to give a little picture of, like, the humility of, uh, of Toshak particularly... Um, when he signed for Liverpool, he got the train up uh, from Cardiff and Bill Shankly met him at Lime Street Station in Liverpool. And apparently he said to Toshak, he said, you've come from Sunday school. Now I'm going to take you to church. <laughs> it's a good line. I'm not sure I understand it, but it's, <laughs> it's a good line. Yeah, well, I suppose it's like, you know, you go from uh, primary school, but this is the... Or you're going from high school, I'm going to show you university. But it's, 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 it's probably a sign of the times. Yeah, perhaps, um, perhaps. But yeah, I mean, there was only a couple of years between Toshak and Keegan. And you're kind of thinking, yeah, where is the head-to-head in this? Where is the conflict? So you've got this duo, classic big man, little man. It fits into so many kind of common narratives about, you know, Dave, like David and Goliath, obviously they were against each other, but it's it's big versus little, mm-hmm. Morecambe and Wise, uh, the two Ronnies, yeah. you know, it fits into this, you know, straight man, funny man. They do jokes whatever. Well, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> well, they dress up. Well, <laughs> Um, so you've got it. They just kind of fit into this narrative really, really well. So much so that Granada TV, the local TV network in the northwest of England, they do a, a soccer show called Kickoff, and they invite Keegan and Toshak to take part in an experiment. Okay. The premise is that Toshak and Keegan are so connected, there must be something higher that's affecting this, Matt. <laughs> like like psychic powers? Exactly. 
there is some some telepathy or some psychic thing happening some connection which can be the only explanation to why they are so in synergy with so each it's other. So it's a light-hearted piece then that they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a light-hearted piece, uh, but the conditions are serious and scientific. They get Toshak and Keegan into the studio and Toshak and Keegan sit with their backs to each other. The TV cameras are rolling and what they have to do is that in, take it in turn, but one of them is going to hold up 10 cards. And then the other one holds up 10 cards. And as each card is held up, they have it's got a, a symbol on, a shape, a basic shape with a color as well. So it might be a pink square or a blue triangle. Right. Or a green cross. Okay. Got it. So they hold up the card in front of them and the other person has to use their psychic ability <laughs> to think about what that card is okay. so obviously if keegan's holding up the card keegan's being instructed he's got to look at that card and think hard about that shape and the color and transmit that somehow to Toshak. Had Ghostbusters recently come out? Because this this feels like very uh, very re- reminiscent of Bill Murray in the opening scene with the the the, the student. No, uh, Ghostbusters was not till the eighties. So okay, this maybe was the inspiration. Maybe inspired Ghostbusters. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this experiment starts fairly shaky. Like they're holding up the cards and having a guess, but they're a little bit unsure and it seems simple at first, but they start getting the answers correct. And as they go further through the experiments, the psychic powers must be absolutely firing because they keep getting them correct every time. Again and again and again. To the point, Matt, where the Granada staff and the cameramen are aghast. Like, they cannot believe what they're seeing here. You know, they've started off as this light-hearted piece. Ha-ha, we'll get Toshak and Keegan in. We'll do this psychic scientific test. They'll get, like, you know, 2 out of 10 or 3 out of 10 or whatever the average is going to be. And we'll go, ha-ha-ha. See you later. But then... But then the tension has ramped up hugely because the first player has guessed 10 out of 10 and they swap over and they start the process again. And again, they start off a bit shaky, bit unsure. They've just got to guess either the colour or the shape and they start getting them right again. (laughs) And again, and again, and again, <laughs> they managed to get a hundred percent correct. What? So there must be. I mean, <laughs> I'm I'm a cynic, Ian. So <laughs> this story's not going to convert <laughs> me. I'm afraid. <laughs> so, what was the explanation? Oh, come on! Don't, don't just... say magic. <laughs> 
<laughs> Look, it was a really interesting one, Matt, because... Was there a mirror? Well, it was under scientific conditions. The players did genuinely didn't know what was going to come. They didn't know the cards, the order of the cards. The cards were independently given to them. They hadn't been tampered with. There was no story to tell like that. They were sitting with their backs to each other. They didn't turn around. There was no kind of taps on the floor or, you know, signals or nudges uh, or kind of um, terminology that they used, which might have given the game away. There was none of that. This was actually broadcast on Granada's TV show Kickoff. And it wasn't until... uh, There's different versions of this story, Matt, because it's in folklore now. (laughs) Um, but it wasn't apparently until about a week after it, the broadcast that it was revealed that when they were sat down, they could see the reflection of the shape in the television camera lens. Yes, <laughs> makes sense. There you go. <laughs> but for a week, I bet everybody was... These lads are psychic. <laughs> how exciting! Were that like? It's just that you was. How did that go with uh, with being at church? I mean, that sounds a bit heretical, doesn't it? <laughs> well, I think it would have improved um, not only the church goers, but uh, also also the match goers, and also appointments with local psychics as well, because <laughs> seeing this evidence 100 percent proof of psychic powers that is brilliant it's quite amazing but it's it's like toshak and keegan almost used a psychic trope which actual psychics <laughs> use so like they just use something of to their advantage that they didn't tell anybody about but unlike professional psychics they got they were honest <laughs> and gave the solution away there used to be a, a a household name psychic in this era as well uh what was her name um doris stokes right now she used a very clever technique many different clever techniques uh to convince people that she was psychic but one one of them apparently was that you can uh book an appointment with Doris Stokes, you know, have a one-to-one reading. Just give her a call. And, of course, she would never answer the phone. Her husband would answer the phone and say, oh, Doris isn't in right now, but if you leave your details... And what was it that you wanted to... uh, Who was it that you wanted to contact from the dead? And what relationship do they have to you? And so her husband would write down all the information... And then he'd say, oh, thanks for your call. I'm really sorry that Doris wasn't here to answer your call. But um, you live in Blackpool, don't you? I've I've got uh, two free tickets for you to come along to the show. We're actually there in two weeks. And so these people would come along to the show. And Doris, having had no contact with them, would know who they were trying to contact, where they lived, <laughs> <Would know. laughs> all this information about them because she'd just given it away. And I think if Toshak and Keegan weren't as good as soccer, maybe they could have got into business. That's amazing. Well, that's, that's, that's a really fun little story, that, Ian. I like it. When you were saying head-to-head, I thought, I mean, often that means fierce rivalry. I wasn't thinking sort of 
telepathically passing messages from one cranium to other. Like, <laughs> <laughs> literally, literally head, to, head, head. to head. Brilliant. Via the, uh, via the reflection in a, in a TV camera lens. <laughs> and it's, it's quite interesting as well that, you know, there are some uh, maybe uh, chance things that happen, you know, for people who uh, edge to believing in supernatural influences and things like that, because Toshak himself, you know, he he wasn't even supposed to sign for Liverpool. It was just that Liverpool trying to sign Frank Worthington from Huddersfield, but he'd failed a medical. And so they chose the second choice, which was Toshak. And then Keegan, he he had signed um, and then had left within four years and went on to Hamburg. And Liverpool had a clause to re-sign Keegan. But Keegan wasn't interested in coming back. <laughs> so it's and and Toshak um Toshak went on to manage Real Madrid twice. Mm. He he said if somebody like when he got sacked from Real Madrid the second time, he said if somebody would have told me when I was playing at Liv- when I left Liverpool that I would have been sacked from Madrid twice, I would have snapped their yeah. arm off. <laughs> it's a nice job to lose twice, isn't it? Yeah, and Keegan went on to manage England yeah. and Newcastle and so and Manchester City um, and Fulham. <laughs> so the, they both went on to be very, very successful. But it's just really sad that uh, Toshak didn't, you know, was so hampered by injury uh, and his Liverpool career petered out. But he did take part in, and this is probably one for the Liverpool fans, is this what is now kind of the trademark move of being a few goals down and rekindling it and snatching uh, victory out of the jaws of defeat, which was one of the most famous European nights was uh, against St Etienne, which is probably the last true great game Keegan and Toshak played together. But it was in fact David Fairclough who was the, the champion of that game who came off the subspench and scored twice. And David Fairclough took all the headlines, but it was actually Toshak who he'd come on the field and Toshak had come off. So I feel like Fairclough got all the headlines there, but Toshak, you know, like somebody who, when you can't open a jar and then someone just opens it really easily, I feel like Toshak would have been saying that in the dressing room saying, I loosened it for you, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I bullied St. Etienne's defence significantly enough to leave leave it easy for you. But um, So, Matt, that's the head-to-head. I like it. (laughs) Literally, psychic powers coming to the wheel of sport. We've had a supernatural story before, have we? I mean, we've we've covered a lot of murders and, you know, things things like that, but nothing uh, of the occult. (laughs) So that's new. I think this is the start of a new thing. Yes. <laughs> Look, I did notice that you didn't spin the wheel. It just started spinning by itself at the start of the episode as well. It's this. There's lots of things going, going you on. You know what? So, I'm, I'm, and I'm not even connected to the internet. I'm just thinking this conversation. <laughs> if I get to the end of the episode and I realise there's only one recording. It's all it's, it's all just uh, it's all just happening. And there has been the occasional time, Matt, where only one of us have been heard on the podcast. I think there's been 
been a couple of episodes where mistakenly have been putting out with just one audio file. I'm not sure you can put that down to the supernatural. Like, that wasn't a gremlin, mate. That was, <laughs> that was No, no, production. I think that was definitely the supernatural one. <laughs> right, 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 right. Oh, well, on that note, Ian, thanks so much uh, for that great story. And thank you uh, to you, listener, uh, for tuning in once again. As Ian said at the start of the show, please do leave us a review. It means a lot to us. Um, and yeah, and if you can get in touch with the show, if you've got any suggestions, uh, either for uh, show ideas or any any follow-up you'd like us to do, please do get in touch with us uh, on Instagram, at The Wheel of Sport, uh, Twitter, at The Wheel of Sport, and, uh, and Gmail, at The Wheel of Sport, at gmail.com. Perfect. Thanks, Matt. I'm off to uh, look at pictures of Doris Stokes answering the telephone. But Yeah, I'll get my Ouija <laughs> <See> board out. <laughs> Take care. See you next time. Bye.